0: What is going on, folks? William Hoyle here, host of the Shoot Me Straight MMA podcast. Today, it is time for episode three. Today, I am going over the most recent card that happened this weekend, which is UFC 238. Went down in Chicago, Illinois. Two title fights on the card. You had Henry Cejudo versus Marlon Marais and Valentina Shevchenko and Jessica I. Also had a banger between Tony Ferguson and Cowboy Cerrone that ended in a huge controversy. Um, a lot of people still don't know exactly what's going to happen with that division, uh, especially mm-hmm. coming up in the near future. And I, with that, I'm talking about the UFC's lightweight division, where we all know Khabib Nurmagomedov is king of that division. Also had Peter Jan and Jimmy Rivera. Ivanov versus Tuvasa. Tatiana Suarez versus Nina Arsenoff. Algermaine Sterling versus Pedro Munoz. You had Alexa Grasso and Carolina Kowalkiewicz. Calvin Katar and Mr. Ricardo Lamas. And then we had a pretty decent undercard with uh, Jan defeating Hill, Darren Stewart and Lewis Wyland, he just dominating Popov. And then you had... Caitlin, Shikoyan, Shik- Caitlin Shikagian beating Joanne Calderwood. Um, overall, man, this was a huge, huge card for the UFC, especially getting the late addition with Cowboy and Ferguson. Um, if people haven't seen it yet, I don't really understand who in the MMA world has not seen this yet, but Tony Ferguson won by Dr. Stoppage after the second round after Tony Ferguson landed a nasty late punch after the bell had rang. It landed flush on the nose to me. It didn't hit the eye that swelled shut. And a lot of the swelling of the left or the right eye shut was the fact that after Cowboy was down in his corner, he stood up, grabbed a towel and was trying to blow it out and all of a sudden the air and the sinuses just escaped and went into his eye and swelled shut. Cowboy being a veteran in the game, he knows that with that nose being broken, you, you can't go and blow it. Obviously, when you have a deviated septum, it just, there's nowhere for the air to go. It's gonna go in every other direction besides out. And it screwed him out of the fight. You can see that Cowboy was definitely upset with the outcome he said in the post fight interview with Joe Rogan that he knew better than that, but in either way, shape, fashion, whatever you want to call it, Tony Ferguson was going to end the fight in the third round anyways. Cowboy was so bloodied up and cut up. It just wasn't even funny. That was probably the most brutal beating that I've seen Cowboy take in a long time. And that's a problem that a lot of people have facing Tony Ferguson is the fact so well at using elbows his elbows are sharp as shit. I have no idea what he does to keep them sharp. Um, I'm sure with the weight cut and having low body fat percentage, it it helps keep the muscles toned. And it just, Cowboy was looking like a mess. Going into the end of the second round, the bottom of the right eye was completely swollen. And you could see just, as soon as he blew that nose into that towel, all of a sudden the top of that right eye just swell up like a balloon. Uh, You could see, well, you couldn't see, but after that, Daniel Cormier was saying that you could hear through the microphone, you could hear Cruz, Dominic Cruz just yelling that, no, don't do it, because that right there, as soon as that happened, referee went over, they looked at the replay to see if it had anything to do with the punch that landed late. Because if it was, by chance, that punch that caused the eye to swell up that way, that would have been a DQ win for Cowboy Cerrone. The huge thing now is the fact that a lot of people were calling for Tony Ferguson to fight for the belt against Khabib Nurmagomedov or Dustin Poirier after they fight in, I believe it's August, September time frame, at 242, if I'm not mistaken. But Dana White keeps dodging the fact that I, I don't believe he wants Tony Ferguson to fight for the belt. Uh, the guy's on a 12-fight win streak. The last nine opponents that he's fought has just, he's absolutely obliterated inside the cage. Uh, the last two by stoppage, Cowboy with the doctor and Pettis, his corner stopped it because he was just so badly beaten. Um, if you go back, look at these fights against Platinum Mike Perry, just bloodied and battered inside the octagon. Tony Ferguson is an elite striker. He also has a great submission game. If you've never seen his fights where he goes in quickly with the rolls and just takes it straight to a dark choke, it's absolutely phenomenal to watch. No one has ever really found a way to defend how just how quick and fast he is on the mat, especially on his back, because he'll just counter and roll, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, he's on top and you're already sitting in a guillotine choke or an arm bar or whatever else you may have. Um, But Dana White has something against Tony Ferguson. No idea what it is. Tony Ferguson won the Ultimate Fighter. Tony Ferguson's on a 12-fight win streak. No idea why Dana has it out for him. But then again, a lot of fighters have actually came out of the woodworks the last couple of months and said that Dana White just refuses to sit down and talk with him. Ben Askren being one after Ben Askren came over and beat Robbie Lawyer, uh, which was a huge controversial finish as well from what everyone else was saying. Um, no, I do not agree. I don't think Robbie was gonna get out of that bulldog choke. If you've ever seen how good of a wrestler Ben Askren is, even though yes, he lost to Jordan Burroughs, who the hell's not gonna lose to Jordan Burroughs? I mean, Jordan, Jordan Burroughs is just a league of his own whenever it comes to wrestling. Uh, Whenever he ended up wrestling Ben Askren and Beat the Streets, he made Ben Askren a two-time Dan Hodge winner in college. The first wrestler to ever do that. There's only been two other wrestlers since who have done that. He made him look like an amateur out there. Like he had no place being on a wrestling mat with him. He made quick work of him. It it was just absolutely embarrassing for Ben Askren, but don't take it away the fact that Ben Askren is a very decorated fighter. Uh, all those years that he spent overseas doesn't really take away from what he has coming up. Um, yes, he has a very important fight coming up with Jorge Masvidal, which is going to be an absolutely insane fight. I really, I mean, we saw Ben Askren take a lot of damage early, especially getting slammed hard by Robbie Lawyer, which if you haven't understood, Robbie is like... An animal. He is a freak show with his strength. But uh, still, I have no idea. He would flat out, he came out and said that Dana White refused to just sit down and talk with him. He had no idea what the problem was. He had no idea why Dana didn't like him. Uh, recently in the media, we've seen at some pressers that him and Dana have come up close to each other. They've been talking uh, whenever Asperin was in London for Darren Till's last fight when him and Till got into it on stage. um, You could see in the videos that him and Dana were having just a good conversation. You could tell that they were both smiling. Um, But it still doesn't come to the fact that Dana wants to, or rumor mill now, is that Joe Rogan said Dana White wants to have Cowboy and Tony run it back. Not really sure why that is. I believe no matter what, Tony was going to end up winning the fight. And Cowboy Cerrone is one of my favorite fighters of all time. Always has been. Always will be. I've been watching him since his WEC days back whenever he was still in his twenties. Um, Cowboy Cerrone is—he's he, phenomenal. Whenever you know, everyone has original Cowboy Cerrone that got beat by Nate Diaz and beat Mac um, broke Mac jaw. And then you have Dad Cerrone who has beat Al Iaquinta platinum Mike Perry got knocked out by Darren Till I believe double check me on that but Tony Ferguson was going to win that fight no matter what in the third round I wish that their fight would have gone to five rounds I hate to see how hurt Cowboy was in the first two rounds to begin with but Tony Ferguson is just I believe he is the only fighter at this current time who could beat Khabib Nurmagomedov Gamedov for the belt I believe that Khabib would take it to the ground like he always does with fighters and fighters just have no way of defending the takedowns that Khabib has and the pressure that he applies onto you whenever you're on the ground. Um, I mean, Christ sakes, the guy, you know, grew up wrestling bear cubs. I I mean, unless, you know, you're Dan Gable, I don't know who else could possibly do that. Um, And then, also in the co-main event, you had Valentina Shevchenko fighting Jessica Evil Eye in a fight where, if I'm not mistaken, Valentina ended up being a minus 1400 favorite. That's just a landslide of odds. Uh, a lot of people believe that Jessica Eye could be the one to dethrone Valentina, but Bullet just had an answer for everything. She was making mincemeat of Jessica Eye and then it finally ended early in the second round when Valentina landed a phenomenal head kick, and it actually knocked Jessica I unconscious for a, quite a quite a bit of time, um, do I believe there's anyone right now who could beat Valentina Shevchenko? No, there's not. I actually believe with the way that if she comes out looking how she did against Jessica I, against any future up and coming, and keep in mind Valentina Shevchenko actually put a run. On Amanda Nunes, like as dominant as Amanda's been in the octagon, I, there's no way for anyone else to. No one's been able to beat her. It's almost fucking impossible. Um, what she's done to everybody, she's just ran through them. Um, but if I'm not mistaken, hang on a second, guys. I got a piece of construction equipment coming up on me, and as you guys know, here lately I've been doing all of my podcasts in my car on the drive home. Um, all right, I got it running. We're safe. Good to go. Uh, I try not to sound my phone. That's why I just keep the phone in my lap keep my microphone on my seatbelt because i do a uh, live layer microphone uh sounds great if you guys haven't been able to tell from the first episode now the sound quality of this thing is just absolutely amazing back to it valentina shevchenko was just a monster and i'm actually going right now and fact checking what i just said but uh Yes, she actually lost to Amanda Nunes at 215 by split decision. Um, no one else has been able to do that. Amanda Nunes has just ran through everybody that Dana White and the organization has put in front of her. Um, at this moment in time, if you give her the opportunity, I believe she actually has the chance of breaking Demetrius Johnson's consecutive title defense successfully, which was 12 fights before Henry Cejudo ended up dethroning him the second time around by decision. Um, and we will getting to that later because I can honestly say to you, I am not Henry Cejudo's biggest fan. I think the guy is a clown, especially with how he was fighting or how he was acting before the Marlon Mariah's fight. He went up there, if you didn't see the presser, went up there in a cape and a crown, was pulling stuff out of the bag, acting like, you know, he was trying to make fun of Marlon's nickname, which is magic. Um, for someone who has only, defended the belt once well not twice actually he didn't even defend this belt he won the ufc bantamweight belt uh, in a absolutely incredible fashion i became a believer in henry cejudo on saturday night um just I, I thought i thought he was an absolute clown until you have defended the belt as many times as demetrius johnson you can't go around acting like you're the hottest thing since sliced bread but uh Valentina Shevchenko just looked absolutely phenomenal. Um, after you know, after she knocked out Jessica, she walked over, gave you know, gave her bow, um, showed her respect to the fact that Jessica you know stepped in the cage with her. But at this moment in time, there is no one in that weight class that could beat her. She is going to be champion of that division for a very long time to come. So I hope you're comfortable hearing her name and seeing her name in the spotlight. Um, On to Henry Cejudo. Absolutely phenomenal fight against Marlon Moraes. He was actually losing the first round. There was nothing that he could seem to do. Uh, He made some incredible adjustments in his corner before the second round started. And that second and third round, he just absolutely took over. All of the momentum was going into Magic's way, the first round going into the second just absolutely obliterated him coming in. He wore him down, did not stop the pressure. You can see that his punches were affecting uh, Marlon the way that you wouldn't really expect Henry Cejudo's fights to go. Henry Cejudo is, I'm sure most of you guys know his fans now because the man doesn't stop talking about it. He is a USA gold medalist. Yes, keep in mind, USA. I know he is proud of Latino heritage but the man wrestled for Team USA in the Olympics, ended up winning gold medal, which, you know, that obviously shows that you are in that weight division. You are the best wrestler in the world. It's not very easy to, I I don't even know. I, I can't even begin to tell you. That is something that is very hard to do. I had a NCO in the Army back in 2005, ended up going to the open trials for the USA men's wrestling team. His name was uh, Sergeant Parrish. And he ended up getting injured in the open trials, so he says. And uh, he said that the workouts that he was doing just on day one absolutely just broke him off. For people who don't understand that reference, broke off, is you hit muscle failure, muscle fatigue. He woke up the very next day, and he said he was barely able to move a muscle in his body. It's just how much training those guys do and how much they're willing to risk put on the line to compete for the united states or any country as a matter of fact in the olympics because that's the highest platform that you can go as an athlete um you know mostly we see track and field swimming um, all those you know uh you have soccer and then you have the whole winter olympics Henry Cejudo won gold for the USA, and he will never let that fact down, which he shouldn't. That's a very, very, very accomplishing feat that he had to overcome and endure endure in his career, and it's not something that's easy. It's something that any any American or anyone in the world would take pride in, um, because you're the only one in the world who has a gold medal from that Olympic in that sport. It's just absolutely phenomenal what Henry Cejudo was able to do. So now he is the men's flyweight champion, the men's bantamweight champion, and he is a gold medalist in the Olympics. He started calling out names after the fight was over. Gave himself a nickname of Triple C. Um, I guess if by chance he goes up in weight and wins another belt, I don't believe he would because there's no way he's going to get past Max Holloway. But He actually said that if somehow, somehow, quote unquote, somehow Frankie Edgar beats Max Holloway for the belt coming up soon, I could potentially see Henry Cejudo being the first ever champion of three weight classes at one time in the UFC. There's no way he's going to fight Max Holloway to begin with. Max has an eight inch height advantage on Henry Cejudo. Frankie Edgar only has a two-inch. But, as many people know, Frankie is just a menace to society. He has always been someone that has not backed down from adversity. Um, I personally don't believe he's going to be able to beat Max Holloway. I think the UFC wanted to get Max back into the win column after his devastating loss. Not devastating. I don't know why I say that word. After his loss to Dustin P. Uh in a fight that a lot of people actually think Max could have won if Max had done things a little bit differently but you can see that the power that Diamond had on Max just it tired him out Um, and Max has always had a huge gas tank I for one had a I had a huge feeling that Brian Ortega would actually beat Max all the way whenever he fought for the belt and he pieced up Brian Ortega in a way that no one in the UFC had seen Brian Ortega get beat. Um, But thankfully we will have Brian Ortega facing Zabit very soon. Happy to see T-City back in the octagon. Um, I understand that he has said that if he ever has the chance to face Max for the belt again, he would do it differently. Back to the question, uh, Dana White said after the fight was done and they were in the pro fight presser that for the moment, the UFC is not done with the men's flyweight division. There was huge talks for a while that they were going to cut it. They allowed Henry to fight TJ Dillashaw for the bantamweight belt. Um, Or actually no, it wasn't for the belt. He was able to fight TJ Dillashaw in hopes of keeping the, the men's flyweight division open. It wasn't for the belt. But he ended up beating TJ Dillashaw, and I mean, absolutely uh, first round KO, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, It's been a while since that fight happened, and my memory's not very good whenever I don't have a computer in front of me, which a lot of us podcasters or journalists do every time we do an episode. So most of my stuff comes off of memory, most recent memory. I do know he beat TJ. TJ then popped hot. TJ is currently facing a two-year suspension with USADA. It won't be a while till we see him in the octagon. But after the fight was over, Henry Cejudo called out names such as Dominic Cruz, Cody Garbrandt, Uriah Faber. I don't know why he called out Uriah Faber. Um, yeah, Uriah just got a fight at the UFC Sacramento card coming up. But Uriah Faber has been out of the game for a while. Um, mentally, he's been out of the game for a long time because he was on a losing skid going out of the UFC. He still owns Team Alpha Male out in California, um, but a lot of his fighters haven't been doing very good. Um, Cody Garbrandt on a three-fight losing skid. I would love the UFC to match Cody Garbrandt up with Algermaine Sterling. That would be a phenomenal fight for uh, No Love to get back into the Octagon with. Uh, after seeing how Algermaine did this past weekend with Pedro Munoz, though, I think that would turn Cody's record into a four-fight losing streak. Um, Sterling shined in his fight against Pedro Munoz in a fight where I actually believe that fight was going to go to a decision in Pedro's way, but uh, Algermain just absolutely looked f- fantastic. Uh, striking was crisp, clean. His kicks were even more phenomenal, and that was a fight where Pedro was actually just slaying with leg kicks. Uh, and he wasn't really kicking to the thigh the inner thigh, outer thigh he was using a lot of calf kicks and that's something that we've seen more recently inside the UFC and mixed martial arts it's totally different Um, your thigh is a huge part of the muscle that helps you stand and helps your mobility but the calf plays an even bigger part I don't know if any of you have ever played any other sports Um, sure as hell I'm sure torn ACLs and MCLs hurt like a motherfucker I never had it, thank god knock on wood if I had some around me that it does not happen to me. But I played baseball growing up. I know how serious and how painful injuries to your calves are. And those kicks that Pedro Munoz was hitting him with was just absolutely vicious. Instant bread, instant swelling. You could see that it was affecting the lee leg of Sterling. Um, His backing up, he was starting to get more and more limber on it, he wasn't really putting as much weight on it, and he was always switching from Southpaw to Orthodox. Um, And it just seemed like no matter what, Munoz was just going after the lead leg. After the fight was over, Al had to get carted out on a stretcher, um, but got a very good win, very good decisive win. It was actually, if I'm not mistaken, it was 30-27, so 10-9 rounds each time. Um, another impressive fight on that card was, uh, the, um, fight between Tatiana Suarez and Nina, Ar- and Nina off I can't, honestly, I've never really been able to pronounce her last name and I should have been paying more attention to the card, but she ended up winning with a 29-28, 29-28, 29-28, you name it, decision. um. She had a hell of a fight. Tatiana Suarez, she's getting a lot of notoriety lately. Um, A lot of people believe she's a good-looking fighter. She has the skill. A lot of people are saying that she should be next to fight Bullet Shevchenko for the belt. Do not think she's ready. No way, no how, no time, no no place. She does not belong in the octagon against Valentina Shevchenko. I'd say give it at least three more fights. And then potentially take her up for the belt. At, at this exact moment, no. She has no, like, don't even bring her name up in title contention. No one is getting past Shevchenko. Nobody. Um, Eddie Weinland, I'm gonna give a quick shout out to him. He had a nasty knockout of pop off. Um, it was inside the second round and actually going into the closing seconds of the round, nasty knockout by punches, TKO actually. Um, Every other fight on the card besides that one, all went to decision besides the last three fights. They were all KO, TKO. Uh, Cowboys longtime trainer and coach in his corner said it was absolutely atrocious that they ruled Tony Ferguson's Win as a TKO, he did not believe that was true. Um, he was saying that it was a huge, just disrespect to Cowboy Cerrone and what he's done for the fight game. Uh, UFC two thirty eight overall, I'd score it nine out of ten. You're gonna have big buildups to cards, especially cards coming up here soon next big card is next month and it's 242 where we finally see john jones and santos fight for the belt um that's gonna be a huge fight that's also international fight week um so it's a huge time of the year for fight fans to go to vegas go see all the conventions go meet and greet their favorite fighters huge opportunities for open workouts and interviews um actually going down to it Let's see who is on the card for... Now I don't even know why I'm saying 242. It's uh, 239, because this was just 238. So UFC 239 coming up next in Las Vegas. That is going to be an absolute phenomenal card. Let's see. We got John Jones and Tiago Santos. Amanda Nunes and Holly Holmes for the belt. Going to be an amazing fight. Uh, Jorge Masvidal and Ben Askren. Which is a huge test for Ben Askren, especially coming over to the UFC. Jorge Masvidal, you know, with his three-piece in the combo, two-piece in the combo that he just recently had big backstage squab- uh, you know, squabble. Um, also got Jan Blokovich and Luke Rocco. It's gonna be a huge fight. And then you have Michael Chiesa and Diego Sanchez. Man. Diego just needs to hang the damn thing up already. But if I'm not mistaken, Diego actually won his last fight. Um, his last fight was against, yes, it was against uh, Mickey Gall, or Mickey Gale, and uh, ended up winning by TKO, man. And uh, Mickey had a huge talk for, you know, beating CM Punk, which CM Punk had no honest business being inside the UFC. But Diego won TKO round two. Now he's facing Michael Chiesa. And also rounding out that card is going to be Francis Naganu and Junior Dos Santos. But actually, that fight was canceled. Um, I actually kind of want to take a check a second to see what the undercard on that one's going to look like. Because uh, that's a huge, huge card. Um, Gilbert Melendez versus Arnold Allen. Sean O'Malley versus Marlon Vera nice to see Sugar Sean back in their octagon um, either way like I said UFC 238 was a huge card a lot of controversy with the Cowboy Cerrone Tony Ferguson fight um, Tony Ferguson absolute monster inside the octagon no one's going to no stop him and I believe that's a reason Dana White's not going to allow him to fight for the belt uh, he does not want Tony being the face of the lightweight division which I can understand why. Um, Khabib has been so dominant, especially with this fight against Conor McGregor, um, which a lot of people don't understand. Conor never like, honestly had a shot against Khabib. There's a lot of buildup to that fight. And as Dana White knows, and as everyone else knows about Dana White, he is Conor McGregor's biggest fan. No offense, Dana, no offense, Conor. Um, but Dana White loves money. Conor McGregor loves money. The UFC loves money. Uh I was just checking out uh UFC Fight Night San Antonio coming up soon. The card with Greg Hardy and Juan, the Kraken Adams. You have uh Josh Barnett facing Andre Arlovski. Um, but hell, I mean, the cheapest seats I could find of that card were hundred and ten bucks. Don't get me wrong, I'm still gonna be there. I'm still gonna be there. Don't don't get me wrong on that. Um, that's taking place soon also uh this weekend a huge bellator card coming up you got rory mcdonald facing neiman gracie that's going to be for the belt rory mcdonald's been in the bellator uh, organization for a long time now um and then if i'm not also mistaken you have dylan danis fighting for that car on that card as well i'm actually about to pull it up real fast um Bellator 222 is coming up this weekend. Gonna be a huge card. Uh, Roy McDonald, like I said, also facing Neiman Gracie. Let's see. Uh, Chill Sonnen is going to be facing. Um, uh, shit, who's Chill Fight? Um, hang on a second. I'm sitting at a stoplight right now, so I'm about to pull up right real fast. Um,. Chelsea, facing Layout facing the Machida. You have Darren Caldwell versus Horiguchi. you got uh, Eduardo Dantas versus Juan Arculeta. And Dylan Danis fighting at a catchway bout against Max Humphrey. Um, Rory McDonald versus Neiman Gracie. Neiman Gracie, uh, 30 years old. He's only 9-0 in MMA, second-degree black belt. Uh, Gracie family, fights out of the Renzo Gracie Jiu-Jitsu Academy. Um, He has been in a lot of world jiu-jitsu championships. Uh, He's placed gold and silver and bronze in a lot of them. Um, Last time that he fought was against Ed Ruth back in December. And won by RNC in the fourth round during the Welterweight Grand Prix quarterfinals of Bellator. You also have Rory McDonald, who is just the Red King. Um, His last fight was against John Finch. that came in a draw back in April of this year, so not too long ago. And then he lost in September of last year to Gegard Mousasi, who a lot of people know the UFC lost him. Gregard was or Gagard was a huge asset that the UFC let go. Uh, Musasi was a huge, huge, huge draw. A lot of people loved his fights. Um, the last fight that he had in the UFC was yes against Chris Weidman back at 210. Uh, beat Chris Weidman by TKO, and then I can't remember exactly what happened. And uh, he's been in Bellator ever since. Either way, it's going to be a good card this weekend taking place in New York, Madison Square Garden, this Saturday night. Um, it's going to be nice to see Chell get back in the octagon, uh, especially against Machita. It's kind of like an old-school UFC matchup for him. Um, Bellator has been no—like, here lately, they've been notorious for catching UFC fighters that are coming off the roster. Um, not a lot of them go over to Bellator. A lot of them have been going over to one. Um, you know, you had Uncle Creepy Ian McCall who went over to Risen. Um, a couple of more fighters. Uh, Chell is coming off of a loss to Fedor. Damn. Damn. Who doesn't lose to Fedor Milianenko? And that was actually back in October of last year during the uh, heavyweight Grand Prix semifinals. And But before that, he beat Quentin Rampage Jackson, Axe Murderer Silva. Then, uh, you know, he lost to a bunch of old school, old school vets of the game, Tito Ortiz, Rashad Evans. Um, before that, though, after all that happened, he did have his last fight in the UFC, which was Rashad Evans. Uh, beat Mauricio Shogun Hua and then lost, you know, obviously John Jones and Anderson Silva. It can also be nice to see the dragon, Leo Machito back in the octagon. Last time that man fought was uh, back in December, Bellator 215. Um, Carvajo was his last fight, and then before that, it was back in the UFC back in 2018 where he beat Vitor Belfort, if you guys haven't seen that footage, beat him by a front kick KO, absolutely obliterated him. Gonna be a good card this weekend for Bellator, so UFC's got the week off. Um, So a lot of fight fans catch that. Uh, Some more things coming down the pipeline for me soon. Um, Got a couple things in the work, got a couple of interviews with some local Texas MMA fighters that I have in the works. Um, One thing about me living in Texas, Texas has phenomenal fighters coming up out of Texas. Um, Huge, huge one, Derek Lewis. No, I'm not saying I'm interviewing Black Beast. I would fucking love to. We don't live far from each other, actually. Uh, We both live in Cypress, Texas, which is a suburb of Houston. I would absolutely love to get in touch with his management, uh, his promotional team. I would love to do an interview with him. Uh, especially, you know, hopefully wanting to support someone coming up out of the same suburbs I him. Um, huge things coming down the loop, uh, here soon, I believe on the 21st, I will be getting ready to start covering, I'm uh, not covering in person. Uh, I'm going to do a pre-episode for the LFA fight coming up out of that. And then you have Fury FC coming up out of, uh, Houston sometime soon. Cage Combat, um... I plan on doing a lot of regional MMA as well, not just UFC and Bellator, uh, like I said in the very first episode. If you guys would, please check us out, Twitter, SMS, MMA Podcast, all one word. On Facebook, find me, shoot me straight MMA Podcast. My name is William Hoyle. Thank you for listening in. This has been a great episode for me. Uh, It's a little bit longer than everything else, but the next episode is going to be absolutely phenomenal. Got some big things planned. Stay tuned and make sure that you guys like us. Follow us on every major podcast platform, Anchor, Spotify, Google, iTunes, anything. Keep check out on social media. Got some big things coming down the loop. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.